Instead, it may be more valuable for you to think about it from jumping out of an airplane of like, let's have a smaller shoot first of why don't you start seeing if you can get a couple clients and coach them on the side and do it on the week, you know, do it in the evenings or weekends and see what emerges and then make a decision uh, how you're going to proceed with your career. And it is, it is in front of like 2000 people. And I'm yeah. thinking like, oh, wow, that's really, really good advice. I totally ignored it. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Today's guest is someone that has actually made several appearances on the podcast over the years. And I'm excited to share this conversation that Scott had with him a while back. You're going to hear about the upsides and the downsides of being stubborn. And you'll also hear why basing your identity on what you do can actually get in the way of identifying what you really want to do in the world. And that is really, really key. So definitely listen to that. And if you can accept that, a career path isn't actually a straight line, then the twists and turns that come up along the way are much, much easier to manage. And today's guest is Dave Stahoviak from Coaching for Leaders, which started as a podcast, but has turned into a whole platform that helps leaders sharpen their skills and to become the leaders that they ought to be. And there's even more behind that even. So definitely check out the coaching for leaders to see what he has to offer there. But for many years, Dave has worked with Dale Carnegie organizations and working with and training people to use the exact same principles taught by Dale Carnegie. Now, Dave has also become a close friend to Scott over the years, but this conversation was actually early in their relationship. And so without further ado, let me turn it over to Scott and Dave. I'm super glad to welcome you to Happen Your Career. Well, thanks, Scott. I am honored. And hey, if you can navigate around illnesses and families with small children, I feel like you can do just about anything in the world. So agreed. I don't know if I would have said that five, six, eight years ago, but now I'm I'm fully on board with that. I want to do, you know, there's so much ground that uh, that I think we're going to get to cover today. We've been talking a little bit uh, again before we before we hit the record button here, but I really wanted to start with some of your background. And before we even do that, help people understand a little bit about what it is that you do right now, because you've got a number of different things going on that are projects and jobs that make up your career, I guess I should say. What, how do you answer that? What do you do, Dave? Oh, that's such a great question, Scott. And I was just thinking about this recently because my friend Beth Bilo who runs the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast, had put an article on LinkedIn on how to describe to people what you do. And my dad was really masterful at this, Scott. He, he subscribed to the philosophy of you should be able to explain to people in the world uh, what you do in a way that an eight-year-old could understand it. And so mm. my dad worked for the McDonald's Corporation for over 30 years and was an executive with McDonald's. And early on in his career, he managed... McDonald's accounting department. And so when we were young kids, he would tell us that he counted hamburgers for a living. That was his description of his professional work. 
which is pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and, Amazingly uh, accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And so as, uh, as time went on and he moved up through McDonald's, he eventually had a national franchising for McDonald's. And so when I was a little older, his description was that I'm a used restaurant salesman. That's how he described what he did. And so I was thinking about that recently when Beth reached out to me to be part of this article of how would I tell my story today to an eight-year-old? And I realized that for me, it's I help leaders make great friends. That's very much a part of what I do. And it's, it's part of what I do in the Coaching for Leaders podcast and platform. It's certainly part of what I do in my work at Dale Carnegie is to help people to build really authentic, great relationships that help them to do wonderful things in the world. I love that description. And this has been, believe it or not, this has actually been a topic that's on my mind too, partially because I have struggled to figure out what to call myself for a long time now and how to explain that. And we've been trying a lot of different things on for size, but it's also become a joke with a number of my friends. So I just made a guest appearance on, do you know Paul Cogliani by any chance? I runs. don't know. Well, he runs a rather amazing show um, called The Overwhelmed Brain. But anyhow, so every time he and I talk, he's got a new name for what it is that I do or a new description of what I do. Anyhow, he came up with a couple of them. But then I went to fill out a form last night for our church, for our kids, and it asked what my occupation was. And I'm like, I have... I don't even know. <laughs> so so maybe by the end of this, this might be a sub goal here. We're, we're going to talk about your story, but maybe somewhere we can squeeze in there. You can help me figure out a way to say how I count hamburgers or whatever it is that uh, that I do. Yeah, no, I definitely think we should we should make this a 30 minute coaching session. <laughs> to explain what you do. And, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in what you were just saying, too, because uh, for years and I've I've and, and the world has changed a lot in this way as far as many of us saw our parents' generation and their parents' generation where you had one job yep. at a specific title. Yep. You worked in that position or that organization for the 25 or 30 years. And so the world was really simple when you filled out things like forms for your kids and health insurance and all those things. And I really used to struggle with that over the years of like, okay, how do I, what, what do I put on this form? How do I describe what I do? Because it would often change. And oh, yeah. I don't know what happened, but I guess a year or two ago, especially once you, with us having young children, like just so many, the amount of forms you fill out in life just exponentially goes up. It blows my mind. I know. And I guess at some point, I'm just like, you know what? It really doesn't matter that much of what I call myself. What matters is the value that I provide to people in the world. And so I've gotten over some of that. And I'll just, now I put all kinds of different things on the forms. <laughs> so, but it's also been a mind set change for me of I don't need to worry so much about what I call myself or even what the world calls me as long as I'm adding value to people's lives. That is something I'd love to explore throughout the rest of our conversation here as we go, because that is that is right where lots of HTYCers who are listening to this conversation are. I mean, they've had this identity as one thing for a period of time, and now they're going through that mindset shift and realizing that one, you know, their identity isn't necessarily attached to that, that occupation that they've had for so long or, or have jumped around to, or where they've had multiple occupations or whatever it is for, for their situation. But at the same time, almost everybody who is listening to us right now, they're interested in making a career change, which can be confused with an identity change as well. So yeah, and it's very much, I think, a struggle for many of us. I'll certainly put myself in this category. 
especially in uh, North American business culture mm-hmm. to, and society even here to identify who we are with what we do professionally in the world. And I would very much like to separate more of that for myself. I've gotten a little better over the years. Um, and, and yet I think that that's a real struggle for a lot of us. And it does more often than not get in our way of really thinking about, you know, what do I really want to do for the world? How do I want to add value? What brings me joy? Because we do have to then fill out these forms that say, okay, <laughs> how does my health insurance uh, tie to it? And then the realities that we all need to navigate in the world. Yeah. And yeah, I haven't mastered that by any means. <laughs> well, let's talk about, because I'm, I'm super curious. I know a little bit just because we do research for everybody we bring on the show, but I don't know the whole story about how you got to become somebody who helps leaders make great friends? Well, I think the story for that part probably starts maybe six years ago. And I have been working now for the Dale Carnegie Training Organization for a little over 11 or 12 years. So I was five or six years into my career with Carnegie. Yeah. And there's a whole story even before that of how I landed there and some of the <laughs> some of the interesting turning points. I remember it was Thanksgiving weekend here in the States. And uh, this was before we had kids. So I actually had some time over the weekend and I was <laughs> surfing the web or some, doing something. And I remember I was sitting in my, uh, my chair in my office and I was on my laptop and I stumbled across a page on how to start a podcast. And it was Cliff Ravenscraft's page. I don't know if you know Cliff. He teaches people how to use the equipment and how to start a podcast and those kinds of things. And at the time, I had been listening to podcasts for probably three or four years. So I was kind of an early adopter when it came. I, I used to listen when you had to plug in your iPod and hook it into your computer and sync it over from iTunes to get the most recent. Download it onto the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the days, that was the way you did it. And it really was a podcast. That was the only way you could really listen. And so I would listen to NPR shows while I was driving. And I'd I'd always be frustrated when I had forgotten to sync the iPod and I didn't have recent episodes. (laughs) And so I thought to myself, I came across this page. and It's like, it would be so cool to have a podcast. One, from the technology stuff, like I've always been really a technology geek and I've always had an interest in communications and broadcasting even. And on a selfish level, even more so, there was not a good leadership show at the time that had good audio quality, that had great content and was done regularly. Uh, There were shows that did one or two of those things, but not all three. And I thought I could start a show and just have decent audio quality and have some, you know, good content I just start doing it and just see what happened. And that was the grand strategy behind coaching for leaders was I was like, I thought that I think this would be fun to start. And it, it from that point, it took still took me eight or nine months even to get the thing started. And that's where it began is just a desire and a passion for wanting to do something I thought would be fun and I thought would certainly help me with something I was looking for and maybe help other people too. When you set out to be able to do that when it went from a, man, that would be cool to be able to have a show and have a podcast and be able to do that after, after you got through that, uh, that initial stage of getting it up and running, what surprised you compared to how you thought it would be along the way, or what was maybe more difficult than what you thought would be too? I think that there's so many different things I've struggled with over the years with it. I think that I was surprised 
I thought I would have more success early on. And this is something you hear from podcasters all the time, actually. And I, by more success, I thought more people would listen initially. And that was absolutely not the case. It was the show went up on iTunes and it was three months before I even knew anyone had listened to it, Scott. I mean, I, I saw that there were a few downloads happening, but I remember I got a letter from some or an email from someone in the UK who it was just a couple of lines and they yeah. said, Hey, thanks for you know, thanks for posting the show. I've been listening every every week and it's been really great. And I'm like, You have? <laughs> and, <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Why? <laughs> so that's that's how it started. I didn't expect the journey to I don't know what I was expecting. That was part of the thing too, is I didn't really have a plan. I just started doing it because I like to do it and I thought it would be fun and and I was learning a lot myself although I don't think I, I appreciated that early on on how much I was learning myself but there were times that I was like why am I doing this like why am I spending 3 or 4 hours a week you know tracking down a guest and getting someone to come on and doing all the post production cuz it, it's not it's only been in the last year that I've outsourced some things yeah, it, yeah. early on I was doing everything and there were a whole bunch of times that I'm like, why am I doing this? I should just stop doing this. Like three, even two, three, four years in where I was just like, this is just silly as far as the amount of time I'm spending on this versus the, I hate to use the term like return on investment. But I think that anything we do in our careers, if we're going to put a lot of time and effort into it, even if the money thing isn't involved, yep. it's smart to think of like, what am I kicking from this? And is the time, time I'm putting into this valuable enough that I'm getting something that's really helping me professionally, that's helping me personally, that's supporting me financially and my family. Um, and I, I struggled with that for a while because it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is, it's a good thing, but I'm not sure it's worth the time and time on the weekends and things like that, that I could be spending doing other things. I'm super curious then what ended up carrying you past that? You know, it sounded like there were a couple of different times where you got to that question stage of, <laughs> hey, is this, is this worth it? Should I be continuing to do this? You know, am I going to get whatever it is that you were looking for out of it at the time? But what ended up causing you to make the decision to keep going forward? Because now you're at 242 episodes and that's nothing to sneeze at by any means. Yeah. A stubbornness would be the <laughs> answer. In what way? Well, for better or worse, I tend to be the kind of person that when I say I'm going to do something, I just keep doing it. Sometimes to my detriment, sometimes that's really valuable. Coaching for leaders would certainly be an example of a time that that's been really valuable. I said, you know what? I'm not sure how this is all going to work long term. Yes, I'm struggling this week or this month with putting my time and effort into this, but I said I was going to do this. And so I'm going to keep doing it. And I love the quote from... I forget which NBA player it was from. One of the NBA players said, I'll see what we see when we track it down, put it in the show notes. Being a professional is about doing the things you love to do on the days you don't feel like doing it. Mm. And that to me resonates because that's been my whole career. There's been days I've shown up for everything that I don't want to do what I need to do that day or what I've committed to do to someone that day or to my clients or to my organization. And so... While it was frustrating at times, that also was not something that was that I hadn't navigated before. So I just, you know, I I saw the show, you know, kept growing bit by bit, and I said, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep doing this and just see what happens. And it's also helpful, and this is where your listeners here are doing, Scott, is is listening to other perspectives and listening to other people out there, and 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 listening to people say things like, 
if you're going to start a platform and do anything that is meaningful in the world, it's going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight success and, and nor should it be. In fact, I would not have been ready for the amount of interaction, communication, just logistics that coaching for leaders now requires five years ago. If that had happened overnight or in fairly short order, I, I don't think I would have known what to do with that. And today, because it's been a very gradual growth over time, today, that's, you know, it's just part of the journey. And it's, it's I very much adapted and grown into that. And it's, I feel like it's almost cliched to say this a little bit, but so many people are looking at the snapshot of where people are at now for anything, whether it be a podcast, whether it be people's careers, whether it be, I don't know, amount of wealth or amount of impact or whatever, insert your thing here. But most people don't really understand what takes place prior to that. How long did it take you before you really felt like it was starting to really get some momentum and take off? I heard you say it was three months before you even heard from anybody or anything like that, but it was a good, it was a good solid year for us. We had to actually even more than a year. We really started growing when we got close to a hundred episodes, but and what was that time? Give people an idea of what kind of time period this was. Oh yeah. Way longer than that. I would say the first four years, I mean, the show's going to hit five years in the summer here, I would say the first three and a half, four years, I was still at the point where I was like, oh, you know, this is fun. This is a nice little hobby that I've got. And and now I wasn't putting, I'm doing other things professionally. So it's very yeah, much yeah. a hobby side project. It's, I could have put in more effort and time into it. So yeah, and I, I, I so resonate with what you're saying. Anytime I've ever talked to anyone who's doing something successful, it's always been, and it appears on the outside, like that's been some sort of overnight success or something that's happened in very short order. You start talking to them and you realize, oh yeah, but there was seven years before that, <laughs> this, or there was you know 12 years that they were working on this. And on the very rare occasions that you do run into someone that truly kind of like had the flash, had the overnight success, it tends to be more of the flash in the pan kind of, you know, and then six months, a year later, that kind of success has disappeared. So I totally resonate with that. And, and this project has been no different than that in, in so many ways. Are you doing anything for five years? Because that's a, that's a big accomplishment. I've been so busy. I haven't even thought about it really that much. Uh, yeah, I think we'll do something. We'll have uh, we'll do something on the show for acknowledging the fifth year. But I, I also try to, and maybe I should do more of this, Scott, but I very much try to avoid what I hear on a lot of podcasts, which is a lot of podcasts and podcasters, I shouldn't say a lot, but certainly enough that I've noticed it, tend to get very focused on themselves and about their the, the platform and talk a lot about themselves on episodes and make a big deal out of every single milestone that they hit along the way and talk with their audience. We had our 17th listener. Woo! Uh, yeah. And, and I did some of that earlier on. And I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, some of that I find is annoying when I listen to shows, like if, if shows do that a lot. And so I really try hard to focus the show on what is the listener showing up for? Are they getting something of real value here? And if I say something about myself or us, you know, it's, it's a passing mention at the end. And I, once a year, I was uh, telling someone recently, like once a year, I feel like we end up doing like a, a more inward look on something. Either we have a show about, you know, what kind of feedback we've gotten recently or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But that's about it. Um, I really try to stay focused on the audience and that's work to serve people. Bless you, sir. That is fantastic <laughs> for so many reasons. I'm not going to get up on my soapbox because it'll, we'll go down a 45 minute rant here, but, <laughs> um, but uh, let's just you don't suffice talk about it to say, 
we had for breakfast and <laughs> drinking right now. <laughs> that coffee we Let me tell you about the iced coffee I have in my right hand. It's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Some of that is great. And in fact, let me be clear. I'm not saying don't bring your personality into the things you do in your career. I think yeah. that's hugely wonderful. And one of the ways we've done that on the Coaching for Leader show is my wife, Bonnie, who's a seasoned executive leader and a business professor, comes on once a month and we do Q&A together. And it's so much fun. And our audience loves that. Yeah. Um, but the Q&A is focused on the listeners. It's not about us. And once in a while, we'll, you know, we'll throw in a little bit about what's going on with us or you know, with the kids and all that. But, but it is really focused on that. But it's also still very much personal about our experiences and, and, and our, our careers and all of those things. And so that's a fun way to do that in a way that I find is really in alignment with the listeners in the show. Awesome. So I, I've got about 17,000 questions for you because we could go a lot of different ways from here. And I'm making an abrupt transition. But one I want to ask you more so than any other one right now, because you brought it up, is about your stubbornness. I'm curious where your stubbornness as valuable for you as, shall we say, the the podcast. I'm, I'm curious about a time where, where that has uh, either gotten you into trouble or carried you down a different route that maybe you realized wasn't as good. Yeah. Gosh, there's been so many missteps I've made, but I had not thought about it. That's why I'm asking. Of, yeah. And the framework of stubbornness. Where's a place I was really stubborn? Well, I know one. <laughs> I knew you'd come up with one, Dave. I know one. I knew you'd come so, up with one. I was what one of the things that I did not appreciate earlier in my career, and I think to some extent, none of us do, but I really didn't, was the value of experience Hmm. and having had time to navigate something. My first job out of school, I went to work for an education company and I was a director of an education center for kids. And so I was the business manager of the center. And so I had responsibilities for the sales and marketing, but also for the instruction. It was a great job, Scott. I mean, I learned so much in this job. And I realized fairly early on that I, it was not the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my career. And I really had an interest in, I'd had a coach in college a personal coach, which is a whole other story in itself. But I had been introduced to this profession of life coaching and leadership coaching. And so I got probably a year or two into my career and I had gone through some coach training and I was, you know, all of 22, 23 years old, maybe. And I decided I am going to go out and I'm going to start a coaching business and I'm going to, people will hire me to be a speaker and a life coach and all the other things that coaches do. Yeah. And so I remember going to a conference. Um, Are you familiar with the name Thomas Leonard from the coaching world? It sounds so familiar and I can't quite place who that is. He was the founder of Coach U and I believe he founded the International Coach Federation originally. Okay. All right. And so it was a big name in the coaching world. He, He passed away a number of years ago. At the time, he was doing a project called Coachville and it was this new community for coaches and they decided they were going to have a conference. And this was a big new thing in the coaching industry and it was not a uh, not something apparently had been done very much before. And so I went to Vegas for this conference. I took a couple of days off work and signed up for this conference and went. And they had a session at the conference where he did something called laser coaching that he used to do. And so he'd do, you know, like five minutes of coaching with someone. And so there was this room of like, it was one of the, after one of the keynotes, there was like, I don't know, a couple thousand people in this room. And he said, all right, who wants some laser coaching? And so I raised my hand and I don't know how it happened, but randomly he picked me. So he said, all right, so what's your situation? So I talked through and I said, okay, so 
I've been doing this career for the last two years. I really want to coach and I'm going to probably leave my job in the next six months and I'm going to start my coaching business. And I went through the whole, you know, the whole thing of what I was planning. And he stopped and he kind of thought about it. And he said, he said, you know, when I think about your situation, I think about jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. Parachutists jump out of an airplane. They, as you're falling, when the chute comes out, there's a, and I forget the name of it, there's a small chute that comes out first. Yep. And that smaller chute pulls the larger chute out. So there's a progression of, it's not just the large chute just shoots out. And he said, I'm thinking about that a lot in the context of what you just told me. What it sounds like you're doing is you're going to make this giant leap and wouldn't instead, it may be more valuable for you to think about it from jumping out of an airplane of like, let's have a smaller shoot first of why don't you start seeing if you can get a couple clients and coach them on the side and do it on the week, you know, do it in the evenings or weekends and see what emerges and then make a decision uh, how you're going to proceed with your career. And it is, it is in front of like 2000 people. And I'm yeah. thinking like, oh, wow, that is really, really good advice. I totally ignored it. <laughs> so sure enough, four months later, because I was convinced, Scott, that yeah. you know, that is really good advice for other people because I have it figured <laughs> out. I'm smart enough. I have a college degree. I have had two years of experience leading people in an education company. I know everything there is to know about starting a business. And so... I did. I quit my job and I started this, you know, I quit my job, whatever. Last day was a Friday and literally Monday morning, I opened up my doors and started writing, you know, what I thought I was going to spend time doing. I hadn't even written a business plan just to show you how stubborn I was. And, <laughs> and I actually did okay for a few months. I found a few clients and started coaching people, but it became very apparent very quickly that I just, I think some of my clients actually felt sorry for me <laughs> that, <laughs> that I knew I'd met. And I think they hired me because they just, you know, wanted to support me in retrospect. Oh, and, no. and they were wonderful people. And I'm so grateful for the, the people that at the time uh, were part of my life and my, my career. And I got about six months into it and it was clear that while I maybe could make a little bit of money on the side doing this, this was not going to be a full-time career. And that was a really valuable lesson because what it taught me is that having enthusiasm and motivation for something is key. And I've always aligned myself in my career with organizations and jobs where I had a lot of enthusiasm for what the organization did. And that's always been my guiding principle. It also requires experience. And so that's where I learned the lesson of I need to go and get the experience that I need if I really want to do the kinds of things I'd like to do in the world as far as coaching and mentoring and, and helping people become better leaders. And that's what led me ultimately to get a couple of graduate degrees and go to work for Dale Carnegie Training and, and to get so much of that in some ways, I've probably done too much of that now, or I should have, or I should have even progressed further on, you know, now actually going out and doing some more of that work. But that was definitely a time when stubbornness uh, got in my way, and I learned a lot from it. That is so interesting. And what I'm taking away from that is not just the value of experience, but also, I mean, a little bit of experience. Like in your case, for what you just talked about, if if you'd gone and had a few coaching clients on the weekend or whatever, then you probably would have realized a more feasible pathway. And then who knows, maybe, yeah, maybe you would have decided earlier on not to do that, or maybe you would have done it in a different way or who knows, doesn't really matter at this point. You, you ended up getting the lesson out of it. But I think that that is getting that little bit of experience is really actually a shortcut 
versus the way that other people think about it. And I've thought about it in the past too, that no, 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 I don't, I don't need that. I'm different. And by the way, this is going to be faster and better if I do it this way anyways. When you're listening to this, if you can take away just that, you will spare yourself years of pain. <laughs> oh, for sure. And at the same time, I've not met many people who are doing really great things in their careers who haven't fallen flat on their face a few times. And I think that if you're falling flat on your face or you're there today, boy, have I been there before a number of times. And I think that that it means you're trying new stuff. You're willing to push yourself. You're willing to have the courage to try something that you feel passionate about. And I think that that's great to do. You know, we're all on this. None of us have this career stuff figured out. When you see someone that looks like they've got it figured out and you start getting you know, really asking questions, you find that like careers have such, such interesting path and twists and turns along the way. If you get that appreciation for the fact that this isn't supposed to look like a straight line, I think it makes the twists and turns a little bit easier to manage. And that's part of the reason I kept doing what I would do, get back to what we were talking about earlier, Scott, with coaching for leaders. You know, yeah. when twists and turns happen, I was like, all right, here's the twist. <laughs> here's the part where I feel depressed for, you know, two weeks or whatever. Yeah, you're expecting it. Yeah, because I, uh, which I realize sort of sounds contrary to what we were talking about earlier. You know, what are some things that surprised me? Uh, so it did surprise me that I guess some of the success didn't happen earlier on. But in, also in a way it didn't because I was like, well, this is kind of how it's supposed to feel. Like I've been doing this for 10 or 15 years of my career so far. Here's the point where you feel depressed for <laughs> a couple of weeks. That was not a new experience by any means. And I think having some of those experiences gives you the perspective then to navigate those times of being like, oh, okay, so this is the time where it just doesn't feel good. And what I do in this time really matters on what happens next. That's amazing. I'm also super curious what happened next for you after you then decided, hey, look, this coaching business didn't work out the way that I thought it, it was going to. What was your next step? I'm kind of thinking about this in terms of we know the end, or at least the up till now, not the end. And we know part of the beginning. Help me fill in the middle a little bit here. I would love to tell you that I had had this grand strategy and I'd went out and I figured out, okay, next I'm going to go to graduate school and I'll learn these particular things. And I've investigated all these different programs of what's the right, the next move for me. The reality was I didn't know what to do next because here I had left this good career in this in an education company that I didn't want to work for the rest of my life. But at the, but at the end of the day, it was, was a great job and was paying my salary and health insurance and all that. Yeah. And, and I'm in debt. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do next? And I happened to meet someone along the way in building this coaching business I'd been to a networking event with and we had become friends. And she said, I got my master's degree in organizational leadership at a school here in Orange County, California, where I live. And she said, you know, you may want to look into it because it sounds like some of your interests are aligned with some of the things I learned in the program. Can't remember if she gave me a brochure. I went online and looked up some information, but I went into the campus. I saw the brochure. It's a master's degree in organizational leadership. I looked at the course description and I was like, that's it. <laughs> that's the next step. That's the one. <laughs> so that was the, again, the grand strategy for my career. It was like, okay, it's, you know, when you don't know what you need to do next, school isn't always <laughs> a bad option as far as what to do. And so I started taking classes. And unlike a lot of other people in the program, I wasn't working at the time. 
And so I, they were evening classes. It was an evening adult program, but I was, you know, during the day I was studying or doing whatever. And so I started the program and just decided I'm going to do this because one of the things I know is that I don't know enough about this. So one part of the equation is how do I learn more about this from just a knowledge standpoint? And I know I need more experience too, but how do I get the knowledge I know I want in order to really serve people well? And so, and I still, to this day, there are many things I learned in that curriculum that have helped me to serve people better than it would be if I hadn't had that foundation. And that was the next step. One blessing to not working is you can get through a grad program pretty fast. I think I finished my master's degree in like 14 months because I was taking classes like crazy and it was fun. That is, yeah, that is pretty fast. How did you actually end up then working with Dale Carnegie? At some point in the master's program, one of my professors had challenged me and said, look, I know you're in a time of transition and you're trying to figure out what's next and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and what's the perfect career. He said, just start doing something. <laughs> Come on now, start doing something. <laughs> yeah, but he, he really was. He's like, start doing something. He's like, even if it's not yeah. perfect, like, what are you doing just sitting around? He's like, you know, the financial stuff aside, like, just start with something. When I heard that advice this time, I was like, okay, maybe I don't have it all figured out. <laughs> Maybe I don't need to be as stubborn as I was before. And I thought, okay, I should be doing something, even if it's not the perfect. And this is another place where my stubbornness gets in the way, Scott. I overanalyze everything. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to make this decision for this job, I need to figure this out because I could be doing this for the next 20 years. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so here I am coaching myself like, okay, just go get a job and start doing something. And so I sent, I drafted an email and I put in the email I said, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm doing in my coursework as far as my master's program. Here's the kinds of jobs I think I'd be good at. And here's the skills I'd really like to learn. And I sent that email to the closest 30 or 35 people in my life at the time who knew me fairly well, were friends, former colleagues. And I said, I'd love your help. And if you know of an opportunity or something that you could help me out or make a connection, that'd be great. Which... I don't remember what caused me to think to do that exactly, Scott, but some, I, I'd gotten the idea from someone. If you need help in your life, just ask people. Like, There's a lot of people who care about you, but they don't know how to help. And, or at least a lot of times, they don't know what to do to help. And so if you tell them how they can help you, people will a lot of times be willing or at least be aware that you need help. And so I sent out that email and I remember I got a few responses from people like, oh, wow, you know, I don't know anything right now, but it's really cool that you asked and now I know what to be looking for. And I had a friend who was working at an aerospace company and he said, I'm taking a Dale Carnegie course. And this Dale Carnegie course really sounds like an alignment with some of the things you're looking at. Have, would you be interested in getting in an introduction to the instructor of the class? And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there for you. And it, lo and behold, the introduction happened. And a week later, I'm sitting down with the president of, of the local office here. And 12 years later, I'm still working with Dale Carnegie. That's so fantastic. And I think the big takeaway for me there, and this is always a constant reminder because it's not even for myself. This is something that I teach, but I feel like I'm still learning in a lot of ways. But being specific and helping people understand how they can be of help to you can actually be valuable to them because many people want to help, as you said. And the really the often the only thing that's stopping people from helping us is us not conveying that. And here's a really interesting thing, and I'm curious how, how often you've heard this too, just from your perspective, but the number one thing that I've heard in hiring like 500 people and doing interviews and blah, 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 every place that you'd hear these types of things, but everybody's like, yeah, I really want to help people. 
Like almost everybody says that, <laughs> like, I really want to be able to help people in whatever context they want to help people in. Right. But everybody wants to help other people and very few people are allowing them to help other people. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, especially in our North American, more um, individualistic culture that mm-hmm. we live in, or at least for me and for you, Scott, is that there's a tendency to feel like I have to figure this all out on my own. Oh, yeah. I figure this out. I'm in charge of my career. I need to figure all these things out. My burden is my burden. And yes, to some extent, and I think that's a very healthy thing. Like I'm all for locus of control and us taking responsibility for our lives and our careers. Yep. And I've yet to meet someone who's had a lot of success, who hasn't had a lot of help along the way and has been willing to ask for help at times. And I mean, I just, I don't believe at all in the myth of the self-made man or the self-made woman. And anytime you hear someone like, I built this company myself. And so yes, you built the company. And when you talk to that person about their experiences building that company, what you end up hearing is all these people who were supportive along the way and all the people who made introductions and all. So we, we don't do anything successfully and sustainably purely on our own. It, it requires us to build the relationships with others. It requires us to ask for help and to give help at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that those of us who tend to think really intentionally about how we ask people for their times and sometimes are even cautious about doing that, I think sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit of not being willing to just ask once in a while for help. And I'm really glad I got that advice at the time because if I wonder like how my career would have been different if I hadn't sent that email, like what I'd be doing now and what different path I would have gone down because working for Carnegie for 12 years, my goodness, like I have so many on a daily basis experiences of getting to coach people and lead and business contexts. And now I feel so much more equipped to really serve people well because of that experience. I'm so grateful for it. On that note, I just want to say thank you because we've scheduled back and forth a little bit and finally got to have this conversation. And I'm I'm so glad that we did because this is not just valuable stuff, but I think this is some of the core of the mindset shifts that people need to have in order to do work that both fits them and that they really actually enjoy. So thank you so much for doing that. This has been amazing, Dave. Well, Scott, thank you so much. And thank you for making the space available for people and what you're doing on this podcast, because you are illuminating the career paths of people who've had some success and had some failures along the way. And I think you're doing exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is you're showing the real journey of, of a career, which is messy, uncertain, joyful, mm. str- a struggle, I mean, all the things that come along with having a successful career. And I think the more and more we all recognize that and appreciate that, the better we are at navigating the difficult times that happen in each one of our careers. And so I'm really grateful that you're bringing that perspective. I'm, I'm excited to share this conversation with our audience too. Well, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. And for people that are interested in in your podcast, we spent a fair amount of time talking about that, but where can people find that? Where can they reach you? Where can they get more Dave? The easiest way is just to go to coachingforleaders.com. And since you're already listening to a podcast, uh, if you whatever podcast app you use or iTunes, it's just Coaching for Leaders. Thank you so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it as well. In the next episode, coming out on Thursday, we'll be sharing a live Q&A session that we did last Monday. We even had two listeners jump on and ask their questions live. 
Now, we're gonna be having another webinar style Q&A session this Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. If you wanna join in this, and if you have a chance to ask your own questions live, you can go to happentoyourcareer.com slash webinar weekly. Now, after you register, you'll be able to submit your question. And we'll even follow up with one or two of the submissions to be able to bring them on live. Now, even if you can't join the webinar in person, you can still register for it and submit your question. And we might be able to answer your question on that session, even if you can't be there live to be able to hear it answered. And then we can make sure that you get a recording of it after the fact. But you need to go to happentoyourcareer.com slash webinar dash weekly. And that will allow you to be able to register for this next webinar on Thursday. So make sure to go ahead and do that. Would love to be able to see you there. 